leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bouguet, and this week we have a very special guest with us. And his name is Stuart Zahn, and Stuart is a graduate of the Sports Business Classroom. Stuart, uh, first off, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Garrett. I'm, I'm usually on the, the listening end of these podcasts. It should be <laughs> interesting to be on, on this, this perspective. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you're, you're going to do fantastic. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the topic we, uh, we decided to talk about for this episode is we're going to break down the offseason and give some grades and uh, we uh, we both separately came up with our own top five and bottom five lists for uh, for teams this offseason. We gave them a letter grade as well. Uh, so uh, just to let uh, the audience know, we do, we have no idea what each other's lists are. So this is going to be a surprise to to us as we go along. Uh, but uh, I'll kick us off with one of my top five uh, lists for the offseason. And again, Stuart, uh, feel free to chime in and. Uh, in your thoughts and whether you think they should be or shouldn't be in this list. But my first one is the Indiana Pacers, and uh, I gave them a grade of a B for this offseason. Uh, just a few of their notable moves. Uh, Thaddeus Young, uh, the power forward for the team, he opted in uh, to his player option at $13.7 million. But, of course, he was a, he was a key piece to their, their success uh, last season. Uh, they... Um, they signed Doug McDermott to a three-year, $22 million deal. Uh, wasn't a huge fan of that signing. I thought it was a little bit much for, uh, for Doug, but uh, he I certainly... It was a little early, too. It was a little early in the free agency to, to jump on him. Yes, they, uh, they, they certainly um, you know, gave him that offer really early on, and it seemed like a lot of those players that, that signed those deals... Uh, in the first couple days, got pretty good, uh, pretty good offers. Uh, but you know, even though he might be overpaid, he does give them some depth, especially in the event that a uh, Bogdan ba- or a Boyan Bogdanovich, I should say, gets hurt. Um, and then, and then I thought the best move was they replaced Lance Stevenson with Tyreek Evans. Uh, Tyreek Evans, a one-year, twelve million dollar deal. I think that's just. A huge upgrade at that position, and in the draft, uh, they took uh, the point guard Holiday from UCLA, who is the, I believe, the younger brother of Drew and Justin. Yeah, I, I like the the Tyreek Evans signing the most. I think it to me it saved their offseason grade. I had him at a B minus. Okay. Uh, I think the the reason I have the minus is because they're one of the few good teams with significant cap space, and I think. Using seven million of it right away on McDermott kind of mitigated the power that they did have going into the off season, going into free agency. Right. Um, so I didn't, I didn't necessarily understand that move that early. Yeah, and you know there were some, there were some targets that they could have potentially got. You know, one of the guys I thought that would have been a good fit for them would have been an Aaron Gordon. Although with what Orlando ended up uh, divvying out, I believe it was a four-year, eighty-four million dollar deal. I'm not sure any offer would have uh, would have gotten Aaron Gordon out of Orlando. But uh, you're right that as as soon as that McDermott signing happened, uh, they they kind of lost their ability to to make those big offers to the marquee guys. Yeah, I mean, chances are the Magic would have matched on anything they any offer sheet that they signed Gordon to, but I would have liked to see them try. Right. 
Okay, so we're we're pretty similar on uh, on Indiana. Who's one of your top five? So I'm gonna start off. So I had two two teams with a A plus. Okay. One. I'll start off with one of them. Dallas. Uh, I love the the swap Doncic um, for Trey Young, or the yeah, other way around, Trey Young for Doncic. <laughs> right. Um, also picking up Jalen Brunson and, and Ray Spalding. Um, Jalen Brunson, I think he's going to be a, a very solid backup point guard. Um, I think he brings like a veteran presence, even though he's a rookie. I, I can see the the professionalism in him. I think losing Seth Curry was a little bit of a hit, not a, not a major hit, but. Um, I would have liked to see them bring him back. Uh, well, and then there was also the uh, the situation with Yogi Ferrell, where it looked like they had him signed, and then uh, uh-huh. similar to Nemanja Bjelica, who I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, he uh, he bolted in large part because I think the contract they offered him was uh, was something that uh, wasn't really beneficial. He, you know, they they didn't offer him the qualifying offer, and then the offer the contract they did give him was worse than the qualifying offer. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was a weird situation there, but Sacramento keeps snatching up uh, people's free agents. <laughs> right. You better get you better get that signature, or else uh, Sacramento's lurking. Well, um, I'm glad you mentioned Dallas because they were also in in my top five as well. Uh, I had them at a B plus though, and uh, you know I I do love the Doncic selection. I I had him as the top player. Uh, on the board. I think he's going to be phenomenal. Um, But, you know, it did come at a little bit of a cost. I mean, the fifth pick in this year's draft and a first rounder next year. Um, But, you know, I would have made that move, so uh, you can't complain too much. A major piece that we haven't discussed yet is DeAndre Jordan. Right. Um, I think the biggest part of that deal was that it was only for one year. Going into the offseason, I really like Dallas targeting DeAndre Jordan. But I was worried it was going to be for three, four years. And, and this is a guy who relies a lot on his athleticism. Yeah. So I was a little bit worried. If it was going to be a three-year deal, I was hoping it was going to be uh, partially guaranteed or like a team option for that last year. Um, but I liked the, the one-year signing. Yes. I mean, yeah, they, I believe it was one year, $24.1 million. Um, which was about what he would have gotten if he would have opted in with the Clippers. I, I, and I, I do think he's a good fit. I guess I just don't really understand the uh, the timetable because, you know, he, as you mentioned, he's a little bit older. He's I think he's 30 now. And, you know, you've got a young core in Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. The time frame is a little off. I agree with you there. Um, but I do think it'll be beneficial for, for those young guys to have that lob threat early on, maybe see if this is a blueprint that they can look for in, a, in another big man moving forward. Um, and also, I think he he can fit like more of a conventional pick-and-roll defense because they're not going to be able to, to switch with Dennis Smith Jr. and Doncic. So um, I like that, uh, that ability that he has, even though it's... Um, it's not as, as good as it, it used to be, but I think it's a, a good fit defensively as well. Yeah, that makes sense. They could pro- probably play similar to like the uh, the Portland pick-and-roll scheme where they drop the bigs back deep and kind of just have him protect the basket and uh, force a lot of mid-range jumpers, which you know is uh, generally a positive thing for, uh, for defenses. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree the Mavericks... Mavericks did pretty well, and and yes, any any problems with the uh, the timetable with Jordan and the young and their young stars is mitigated, as you mentioned, by by that one year contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna name another team that I've got on my top five. I've got the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I've got them at a B plus in large part due to the fact that their gamble with Paul George paid off. Uh, you know, whenever you can get a uh, you know a top fifteen player in the league to re-sign for four years, uh, I think that uh, you know regardless of what else happens, that's a pretty successful off season. Uh, you know, they they are spending a ton of money uh, with their roster. They they retained uh, Jeremy Grant for three years, twenty seven million. Uh, they ended up trading Carmelo Anthony and a a first round protected pick that uh, I believe is in twenty twenty two to Atlanta for uh, Dennis Schroeder, and also they got uh, Timothy uh, Luwawu Cabarro from Philadelphia. Uh, they retained Raymond Felton, their backup point guard last year, and also signed 
uh, Nerland's Noel to a two-year, $3.7 million deal. Uh, but, you know, aside from the massive tax payment that the owners are going to have to pay, uh, you know, I think the Thunder did a pretty good job of retaining most of their pieces and adding a little bit to it as well. Yep, for sure. I, I had them at an A minus, so we're not that far off. Okay. Um, I really, I really liked the uh, the the Nerlens Noel signing. I think with the the second year player option, I think he, uh, at least for the players' perspective, I think that that makes sense for him. Also makes sense for uh, OKC. And I'm glad you were the one who had to pronounce TLC's name. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. It's a mouthful. I just say TLC, so. Um, but I'm I'm a little bit higher than most people probably on the on the Schroeder deal. Okay. For Schroeder, um, he's a he's a backup point guard that OKC didn't have any other way of attaining. So, and it's it's only was it six point two million dollar difference between if they had stretched Mello versus um, Schroeder's five. $15.5 million flat over the next three years. Right. So I think I think it was a, a worthy gamble. He kind of he kind of follows the, the Reggie Jackson mold. Um, that's something that has worked out in, in certain aspects. Right, and even, you know, uh, for, for a year or two with Dion Waiters, you know, he had a pretty good run as kind of a, another guy that can create for them aside from their, their two stars, of course, Back when Dion and Reggie played, it was Durant and Westbrook, and now it's Westbrook and Paul George. But yes, I, I agree. I think Schroeder can be a solid, uh, solid backup guard for them. I question whether Schroeder and Westbrook can play uh, play together that effectively. But they also kept Raymond Felton, who I think him and Westbrook are a decent duo uh, in in that situation. But yeah, they uh, they got deeper. I think. Uh, I think just getting rid of Mello and potentially replacing him with Jeremy Grant in the starting lineup, I think it's going to do wonders for their defense. And obviously you're getting uh, uh, Andre uh, Robertson back as well, uh, which uh, which is going to make them one of the best defenses in the league. Okay, so name your next, uh, next top five team. This one's uh, pretty obvious. This was my other A+, plus, um, but Golden State. Okay. And the but the biggest reason that they're a winner is because Houston is one of my big losers. Yes. So, but that's that's you know indirectly or directly correlated um, with with Golden State's ranking with the A plus. I mean Houston, as soon as they lost Ariza right away, I was worried. Um, and to lose. Luke Richard, Mavah Mute as well. I mean, that kind of put the nail in the coffin for their offseason. I'm kind of turning this more into Houston's... Uh, right, and let, you know, why don't we just do that? We might as well just go to Houston because I have them on uh, on my bottom five as well for this offseason. I gave Houston a D-, minus, and, uh, you know, you mentioned, obviously, the loss of Trevor Ariza and Luke Richard, Mavah Mute. Like two, uh, you know, two-way wings, losing those guys, that's so critical. Ariza was so good in that series against Golden State. Of course, Houston just one win away from essentially winning the championship. That Western Conference Finals really was the NBA Finals. Uh, and, you know, Mba Mute was so good uh, during, throughout the regular season. He was uh, a key guy in a lot of their best defensive lineups. Uh, but then, you know, they're, they're trying to replace uh, at least Mbamute, Mute, I would say, with the signing of James Ennis on a two-year, $3.4 million offer. Uh, but then, you know, they, um, uh, they still have to fill that Ariza hole, and the rumor is that it's going to be Carmelo Anthony that's going to try to fill that role, and I just can't imagine that's going to work. Yeah, I, I only see a disaster <laughs> lying in the wake for, for the Rockets. Um, one other big thing to mention with Houston is that they re-signed Chris Paul. And that was something right. that was implied going into the offseason. Um, but I think the, the big part of that deal was that it was only four years. They didn't tack on that fifth year, which would have been really tough for, for the Rockets' uh, cap. Um, right now, as it is, in his fourth year, his age 36 season of that contract, he's going to be making $44 million. Right. And I know, they're, I know they're, they made that signing because they're they're shooting for a a championship right now. But that 
But when you're taking two steps back, losing Ariza and Mabat Mute, when, you know, if you lose even a half step on Golden State, that's more than enough margin for them to blow you out. Right. So, I mean, that's just, that was so, so vital for them to have those two players and losing them. I think uh, that's what, that's what made Golden State's offseason, not, not getting Cousins, um, not re-signing KD, which is also implied, but uh, yeah, Houston taking those two steps back was the, the, the hardest part to take for the Rockets. Yeah, and, and the, the other thing is, you know, yeah, you mentioned that that contract for Chris Paul, it's going to be, it's going to be a bad contract by the end for sure. Um, but, but I think part of like taking that contract and if you're Houston and dealing with the pain on the back end is you do it because you're a championship contender right now. And you know, that, that opportunity doesn't come along very often, but you know, as soon as they then lost Ariza and Mba Mute, it's like, oh, well, all this money we're paying for Chris Paul, the main reason, in my mind, is to compete for a title, and that may not be a possibility now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was really, like, they lost Ariza really quickly, which I, it was a surprising decision, I thought, for Ariza. First of all, I didn't understand why Phoenix. I understand for $15 million, um, but I thought Ariza was, was super tight with, uh, with their team. I remember seen at uh, the NBA award show when James Harden was receiving his MVP award. I'm pretty sure he was there with uh, P.J. Tucker and, and Chris Paul, and, and they were having a, a good time there celebrating James Harden's award. Um, so I, I, I just found it super surprising to, for him to, to leave like that. Well, and there's there's always, the of course, Houston just got the, the new ownership situation, and uh, there's always the question mark about how much uh, you know an owner is is willing to pay, and a guy like Dan Gilbert for the Cavaliers have gotten you know he's gotten a lot of uh, a lot of criticism over the years, but one thing he was always willing to do was he was willing to spend whatever it took to to uh, put out a team that could compete, and perhaps that's all this is. I, I can't imagine Daryl Morey uh, as as smart and as great of a GM as he is would would not want Ariza back. Yeah. So when when Ariza left, that made it even more shocking that they didn't, you know, sign Mabah Mute right away. You right. Know, they let they let him float into free agency a little too far, and now he's with the Clippers. Yeah, and uh, you know, who knows? Perhaps uh, you know a move could be made down the line. Um, you know, not only at the rest of this off season, but going in towards the deadline. Uh, you know, you could never put it past Daryl Morey to make a, a crazy move. Of course, there was there's that talk about Jimmy Butler uh, and, you know, him not uh, signing an extension with Minnesota and not necessarily happy with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, you know, I don't know necessarily what Houston could put in an offer, but I wouldn't put it past him to try to, uh, to, try to get a guy like a Jimmy Butler at some point. Oh, I'm sure he'd try it. Um, one of the, the more confusing moves that they made was Michael Carter-Williams. He does not fit what we know the Rockets to be. Three-point shooting and layups or dunks. Right. And it seemed like he didn't fit that mold whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's notoriously one of the worst shooters in the NBA percentage-wise from just about everywhere on the floor. Uh, so, yeah, it, uh, it really doesn't make much sense. Uh, they they did retain Gerald Green. I thought he was a good fit for them last year. Uh, and then they uh, they did draft uh, DeAnthony Melton. And uh, you know I, I don't watch much college basketball, so I don't know much about him. But I heard there was a lot of buzz around him in summer league. Yeah, I think uh, I think the analytics really liked him, so it's not surprising that uh, he falls to the Rockets and Daryl Morey. Um, but uh, he's a uh, from what I from what I hear, which. Uh, a lot of the, the takes I have about draft picks, um, I have uh, some good people that I rely on, um, and they're they're all pretty pretty high on Melton as a as a defender, especially on ball, um, smart team defender, and it seems like in in summer league that his shot looked a lot better. Okay, well, yeah, I, um, I'll have to to study up on him, but yeah, if they could get a guy in the second round that can kind of be a, uh, you know, a fourth guard behind the likes of Paul Harden and, uh, and Eric Gordon, that would be a good pickup. Um, but, but yes, going back now to, uh, you know, we, we discussed the Rockets as one of our worst five. 
but yeah, you had the Warriors as an A plus. I'll go now to my next uh, my next top five. I've got the Lakers as uh, as an A minus. Uh, you know, it, it would have been an A plus had they uh, you know had it been just LeBron James that they signed. Um, but everything else after LeBron has been a disaster. Uh, but uh, but just getting the best player in the game, uh, you know, gives you a pretty solid grade to begin with. I agree with that. Um, I think their off season started out as an A, but it has uh, uh, has tanked for me to a to a C minus. Oh wow! So I guess this is where we diverge a lot. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, getting out LeBron James. I mean that that usually can just make a team's off season. But every other move that they've made has, has been really befuddling. Um, it seems like they're just trying to, I mean, I don't know. LeBron said last year was one of the more frustrating years of his career. Well, um, this upcoming season is going <laughs> to probably top that. Yeah, so let's just uh, let's break, break it down what else they've done this offseason. And I totally agree the rest of the signings weren't bad. I guess my uh, my main reasoning why I'm not marking them down as much is they're all one-year deals at least. So pretty much like they can set a reset, they have a reset button for next offseason. Uh, but uh, some of the moves, uh, the most recent would be Michael Beasley. They signed him to a one-year $3.5 million deal. Uh, they signed a two-time champion, JaVale McGee, uh, to a one-year minimum contract. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they signed uh, Lance Stevenson to a one-year $4.5 million deal. Uh, they got Rajan Rondo for one year and $9 million. And uh, they also uh, kept Contavious Caldwell-Pope. He's one that I actually uh, I do like that move, uh, one year for $12 million. Uh, and in the process, they lost the likes of Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle, Isaiah Thomas, and Channing Fry uh, from last year's roster. But, you know, all of those guys, and I'm sure you, you probably agree with this given you gave them a C-, minus. Uh, but all of those guys seem to be better with the ball in their hands. And, of course, LeBron is the greatest playmaker of all time. Uh, so it, it, it doesn't seem to, uh, to be guys that necessarily fit with, uh, with the King. There's only one ball, Garrett. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, I mean, you, you heard LeBron in like, the press conferences during the finals. He wants to play with uh, some more high IQ players. And I guess you get that a little bit with Rondo. But also with Rondo at $9 million, who else was going to pay him $9 million? Right. That's my question. Yep, well, I feel like they overpaid uh, for quite a few of them. I think Lance Stevenson yeah. at 4.5 is a bit of an overpay. Michael Beasley at 3.5. Uh, yeah, they uh, they seem to uh, give basically everybody a little bit too much. Yeah, it seems like these, a lot of these guys are people you should get on the minimum or should be able to get on the minimum. Yes, um, and, you know, the other decision they, they made, which surprised me, was they, you know, they... Um, they relinquished the qualifying offer for Julius Randle, making him unrestricted, uh, and, you know, and then chose to pay guys like Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Michael Beasley. I'd rather pay, you know, Julius Randle 12 to $14 million for a season than even having all three of those guys. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I question his fit with LeBron, at least on the offensive end. But I think he really fit the, the switching scheme that you have to implement if you're if you're trying to beat Golden State. Um, I think he really he fits that. Uh, but I mean, if he, if he's if you're letting him walk for two years, eighteen million, you weren't able to pay that much. I find that hard to believe. Right. Um, the one other thing uh, the Lakers did this off season is they they did draft. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Moritz Wagner from Michigan with the 25th pick, and uh, again, uh, I still need to, uh, to to catch up on a lot of the summer league action. Our our sports business classroom was going on through most of the games. So, uh, but but from the little that I did see of him, uh, he did look like he has he has some skills for a big man, especially uh, to the the ability to uh, to knock down the three point shot. Oh yeah, he's, he's definitely skilled offensively. I, uh, the question is always uh, on the defensive end, how he's going to hold up. He's got a pretty thin frame, so 
Um, but we'll, we'll see. He, he'll put on weight. Uh, I don't anticipate him getting many minutes, um, but I'm sure it's minutes that he'll, uh, he'll benefit from. Well, and, you know, losing Randall and losing Brooke Lopez, you, you know, you, you got JaVale McGee and Wagner, but it seems like their center position is pretty weak and it doesn't have a lot of depth. But there's been some rumors that they're they're contemplating playing LeBron a lot at center. Uh, what do you think about that just in terms of uh, not only do you believe LeBron would be willing to play heavy minutes at center, but also how that would affect the team? Uh, I don't see him playing heavy minutes. Uh, I do I do see some minutes. Um, I think part of it is because he'd have to. Are you going to have McGee play a lot of minutes at center? I mean, he's going to get some time. Wagner's going to get some time, but I mean, with LeBron at, at center, you can at least play some of some of your more skilled forwards. Like you can have Mo Wagner, and you can have Kyle Kuzma. Um, but it's a it's going to be a weird fit overall. Just the whole team roster, I just didn't understand. The um, you know, there's there's a lot of people already like you know just because LeBron is on the Lakers. They're saying, you know, they're going to be a conference finalist and all that. I question, especially given how, how deep and, and good the Western Conference is, I think this might be a battle just to make the playoffs for this team. Yeah, I think so. That's, that I was about to ask you that. Uh, I mean, where do you see them, like their range of seeding, where, where do you see them in the West? I mean, I, I honestly don't. I see them being a road team in the first round. I, I can't imagine them being a top four seed because, I mean, just with Golden State, Houston, Utah, and even Oklahoma City, uh, you know, those are four teams that I, I imagine will have a better record. Uh, and then you, you look at teams like Denver, Minnesota, Portland, New Orleans. You know, I see them kind of in that range, in the back half of the bracket, uh, fighting it out. And of course, you know, the Clippers are still are still a decent team as well, uh, fighting for those spots. Yeah, Clippers got a lot of good players. They don't have that that stud, that one stud, but a lot of good players on their team. For for the Lakers, I can see them no higher than the sixth seed, honestly. And they're gonna, I feel like they're gonna be scrapping to to get into the playoffs. Um, I mean that's all of the West though. They're all they're all going to be, you know, trying to climb that ladder. Um, but even even as a six through eight seed, as long as they're not playing Golden State in the first round, I would still give them, you know, a decent shot at, at winning their series. You know, just by virtue of having LeBron on your team. You know, even against Houston, I would I would give them a, a real chance. Huh. Okay. So. So I guess I might be a little bit higher in terms of their regular season than you, but a little bit lower in terms of their playoffs, uh, playoff chances. I think, you know, uh, you know the, the fit we talked about with all of these role players, I think it may not be as big of an issue in the regular season, but more so come playoff time when teams can really, uh, you know, plan a strategy and really collapse and uh, collapse the defense and lay off of these guys that are, are not very good shooters. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to load up on LeBron. Um, I'm not saying the Lakers would be favored in any of those matchups, um, but I would give them a, a real shot. Well, yeah, the Western Conference playoffs. I mean, every year I'm I'm very excited about that side of the bracket and watching those matchups. But this year it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. So, uh, who who else do you have? Uh, what's your next team on your top five uh, off season grades this year? Well, we've been talking about the West a lot, so I'm going to move East. And uh, one of the more surprising teams, I, I would say, that had a high grade for me is the, the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. I, I had them at a B plus. Um, I liked uh, a lot of the moves that they made. I mean, they've been incrementally, you know, trying to get out of this hole from the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade. Um, it's been a long process we use that word too much but it's been a long process for them um the biggest move for them i think was getting off mozgov's money for for next offseason um, yes and then you know getting dwight and, and buying him out uh i liked a lot of the the contracts that they that they signed i mean they got ed davis for the the room exception uh the eshabaz and eighth year 
uh, for two years, $3.5 million, and they got team option on the second year of that, so that's nice. It's almost seeming like they're, they're trying to be Portland over here. Right. <laughs> yeah, they basically just took Portland's bench minus Evan Turner. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, they re-signed Joe Harris, two years, $16 million. So eight, I think it's flat, $8 million both years. Um, I think he's a solid solid player, so I like him at, at that price. Um, okay. None of their, their picks this year were inspiring. Obviously, they, they lost their... Um, their own pick to Cleveland, but um, they got Zanin Musa and then another international player. And apparently Musa is a scorer, um, but I feel like he's going to need some time to transition to the NBA game. Um, and they also got a protected first for Fareed and Arthur. Right, from, from Denver, Denver, yeah. And they flipped Arthur for Jared Dudley. So, I think I think they have a, a decent team, um, but I, I like the way that they've positioned themselves this summer. Well, and that uh, that Arthur for Dudley deal also netted them a second round pick uh, because I believe Dudley makes about two million more than Arthur, uh, and Dudley is the superior player. So yeah, they uh, they definitely made good moves in terms of. Uh, you know, taking on salary and, and getting some additional future draft picks because they're a team starving for talent. Uh, you know, I had them as a B, uh, so, you know, pretty close to where you're at. I, um, you know, I think that Joe Harris deal is a little bit too expensive for my taste, but, you know, yes, he, he's definitely a guy that, uh, you know, has developed in their system and has become a solid rotation guy. Uh, my, my biggest concern, though, especially with the Napier and Ed Davis signings is, Maybe this team has gotten a little bit too good, especially considering they they own their own first-round pick for the first time in what seems like a decade. True, true. But as, as, uh, as well-positioned as they are, I still don't see them um, having a great record next year. I mean, the, I mean, if you look even in their, within their own division, those are the top three teams in the East. You got... Toronto, Boston, and Philadelphia, right within their own division, no less conference. Um, so I see, I still see them struggling, which is a good thing. Um, there'll still be some growing pains. I still want to see a lot from D'Angelo Russell. Hopefully, he'll have a, a healthy season next year. But yeah, I mean, I think they they're, they're set up great for for summer 2019. I know they're not necessarily a, a destination. Obviously, um, but I can see them, you know, signing some some guys to value contracts in next summer. Yeah, I mean they uh, they're they're in a lot better position uh, than they were just a couple of years ago, and that that still doesn't mean much because of how yeah. much of a hole they were in. Um, so I've got one more of my top five, and it's my number one, and that is the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. I have the Raptors with an A plus grade. And uh, the biggest reason for that was uh, the most recent trade, which uh, I talked about on last week's episode with Stephen Lowe, uh, where they traded DeMar DeRozan, Jakob Pertl, and a protected first-round pick. Uh, that's protected picks 1 through 20 uh, for the likes of Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. Um, you know, obviously I've already talked at length about this deal, but I think it's a home run for Toronto, not only because uh, you get... Um, you know, if healthy, a, a top three player in the entire league. But then you also get a guy in Danny Green, who uh, who is a uh, is a really good, solid role playing three and D guy as well. Uh, they retained Fred Van Fleet for two years, eighteen million, which I think was a pretty good deal for the team. Uh, so I I thought they uh, they vaulted themselves from a team that you know was really good, really fun to watch, but was kind of a pretender. Now I fully believe they have an opportunity to make the NBA Finals, which uh, you know would be the, the greatest season in Toronto history. And another element to that trade is now that now they have a, a clear potential pivot point two seasons from now. Exactly. You get that with the Fred Van Vliet signing, two years. Um, you get off of, I don't want to say get off of DeMar's contract, because they, they loved him in Toronto. They still do. They still love him. Um, so it's hard to say they're getting off his money, but... You know, that's kind of how it is. And you get two potentially expiring contracts of Danny Green and Kawhi 
hopefully for them, Kawhi stays. Um, but Danny Green is an expiring contract with his age. I don't see him um, staying necessarily. Um, but yeah, I had him as an A, and the only reason okay. I, I refrained from giving him an A plus was the the risk of bringing Kawhi in, maybe only getting him for a year. Okay. Um, I mean, it's risk that you you have to take on if you're if you're Toronto. Right. I mean, my my philosophy has always kind of been I'm I'm more of a of a of a Sam Hinkie uh, believer that uh, it's championship or bust, and the Raptors weren't really going anywhere with their current roster. That's been evident for the last couple of years. So why not take an opportunity to potentially, uh, you know, go for it all? And then, as you said, the fact that they got off the money of DeRozan, if Kawhi were to leave, that makes a rebuild so much more palatable for the franchise. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll also add, they got $5 million in that deal. Right. <laughs> like, I, I, I thought I read that wrong when I, when I first saw that. I thought, oh, it makes sense. Maybe they, they sent out $5 million. Oh, no, they received $5 million in that deal as well. I was also surprised that it was that the first was only protected top 20, which I, I thought was also strange. Um, I mean, I guess that's what you get when you only have one year of Kawhi versus... Uh, any more years than that. Well, right, and that just makes it so that the downside risk is is even is even less of a factor for Toronto. You know, if Kawhi for some reason, or you know, if his injury still is impacts him and he doesn't he isn't able to play, uh, or you know, God forbid he uh, he doesn't show up to training camp and boycotts the season, uh, and you know the team struggles a little bit and you know is like a six through eight seed. They very much could keep their that first round pick, and then it converts to two seconds straight away. Yeah. So this is just a little off track, um, going on a tangent here. But if you're Philadelphia, do you include Fultz? Because it's a, it's pretty apparent that San Antonio wanted a wanted a player that could play right now. Obviously, Fultz is a question mark, but um, he was someone who could potentially be a, a, a star. Um, but it didn't seem like they wanted picks or they wanted young prospects. They they wanted to, to play for the now. Yeah, so it's debatable whether a guy like Fultz, who's very unproven at this stage, would have put their you know Phillies offer over the top. But you know, I um, I probably would not have just because I uh, I I think that would be you know selling quite low on Fultz. I think he's still got massive potential in it and you know there are rumors now that are reporting that Fultz's shot is fixed and he's going to be you know markedly improved this year so we'll have to wait and see on that he's in good hands with Drew Hanlon right Right. Um, another interesting story I read today was that Danny Green revealed that he unknowingly played this season with a torn groin or this past season and uh, the Spurs medical staff uh, did not diagnose it uh, so that um, that certainly <laughs> right that uh, that makes you uh, you know maybe side a little bit more with Kawhi in terms of him uh, opting to go with his own doctors and uh, ignore what the Spurs medical staff may have said. I wonder what the the timing of that for for the Spurs to to get those medicals because that's something that Toronto would would want to know going into this trade. Right, um, but that, you know, also when you look at uh, Danny Green, I think a lot of people would say that he had a kind of a down year last year, but uh, if that was maybe the key reason for it and he gets that fixed, you know, Toronto may be getting the Danny Green from a couple of years ago, which, uh, again, was uh, was a really solid starting guard. Yeah, I mean, I mean on this Toronto team, he's not going to be asked to do too much. Um, just the, the normal 3 and D. Well, and their their ability to, uh, as I mentioned with Steven, their ability to potentially switch uh, across all five positions, similar to what the Celtics would do, is is very exciting. Uh, do you have any more uh, to- of your top five, or have we gone through them all at this point? Here, I'll just I'll just mention another one that had a high grade for me. Okay. Uh, it was an honorable mention. Um, Den- the Denver Nuggets. Okay. Minus, um, I think. Because one, one of their objectives that was pretty clear from ownership was get below the tax. And uh, they, they did that um, pretty, 
pretty quickly, which I, I thought was important. They they jumped on um, they jumped on the the Nets cap space early, um, which I think was important because I mean there's you know teams that are trying to get off money. They you know they hopped on a deal quickly rather than waiting before that that money dried up or that space dried up for them um, to get off their money. Uh, sending Darrell Arthur and Faree to to the Nets. And they also sent out Wilson Chandler um, to the Philadelphia 76ers. And I believe that also gives them uh, traded player exceptions for those three players. Um, so, I mean, if come trade deadline they do, if ownership is willing to, to spend in the tax a little bit to, to make their team better, they're going to have avenues to get better. I think the biggest trade exception they have is Fareed at, at $13.7 million. They also got Wilson Chandler at twelve point eight. Uh, I don't see them using both of those, but they'll, they'll, ha- they'll have that uh, in their back pocket come trade deadline. Well, uh, it's it's interesting. You you mentioned the uh, uh, you know the Lakers were kind of one that we differed on. This is one we differ on as well. I actually had the Nuggets in my bottom five. Um, I had them as a C minus and. In large part because of that. Now, as you stated, it, it, it was probably a, a mandate from ownership, but uh, you know that to me, uh, you know, really hurt the franchise moving forward. Uh, Wilson Chandler, is, you know, was their starting small forward. I think he is a really solid player. My biggest beef is 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 that trade. You know, if if they would have just done the Darrell Arthur and Kenneth Free deal with that protected first, you know, I would have been okay with that. But doing that. Giving up a first, a future first, and at your starting small forward uh, was was quite a lot to deduct the tax. And again, this was just a one season issue. It wasn't as if this was going to be a repeater tax situation uh, because all of those guys are on expiring deals. Yeah, but their their ownership is notorious for not paying the tax. Um, I didn't necessarily agree with uh, the Will Barton signing at his price. Especially if they, they consider him being their starting three. I see that as problematic. But also adding Isaiah Thomas, it's clear that they, uh, they're just going to try to outscore people. Right. Yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the Barton deal, I agree with you. It's a bit of an overpay. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's an issue when you, you, you have a guy who I thought last year was really his perfect role, where he was a, the backup guard scorer off the bench. And then, if you needed him due to injury or whatnot, he could he could step in capably and be a starter. Uh, you know, I thought that was the perfect role for him playing the three. Uh, I don't see him having the defensive chops to handle a lot of the the best threes in the NBA. And uh, you know, it it takes away that scoring punch that they had off the bench. As you mentioned, they're going to hope that Isaiah Thomas can bring that for them. But you know, you talk about poor defense, and that's just gonna you know add to it. No, no, yeah, it's uh, amplified at this point. Um, one thing that we haven't mentioned with Denver is drafting Michael Porter Jr. I mean, I, I'm sure on draft day they never would have thought that he'd fall all the way there. Um, right. He was a, a risk at that point that was well worth it at the at the 14th pick. I mean, I was really surprised the Clippers didn't take him with, that, with one of their picks. Um, there's a lot of teams, honestly, that passed up on him that I, I thought should have taken a swing on him. Um, I think fit-wise, he he's not a great fit. Um, he can shoot the shoot the lights out of, of the ball, but um, I think this year is going to be a redshirt year for him. Um, yeah, he just got his second back surgery, I believe, yeah. recently. So. Yep. So that kind of rules him out. I think I would assume so, at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, I thought drafting him at least gives them an asset, you know, like even like right now he's a, he, he can like look at him as a, as an unknown, um, but he's still, uh, an intriguing unknown. So maybe later down the line, um, there's one of those teams that passed up on him or, um, didn't get a chance to even, um, pick him that'll, that might want to. You know, trade trade something for him. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the fit. Uh, you know, especially again because the Nuggets really lack a lot of you know above average defensive players, and he's another guy that 
even if he hits, I, I can't imagine him being anything more than an average guy on that end of the floor. But I think offensively, the fit should be pretty good if he ends up getting back to the levels that he was. You know, him playing at the four, potentially, with Jokic at the five uh, would be would be really dangerous. You know, both of the guys, um, theoretically, uh, would be capable of hitting threes. Uh, and, uh, you know, he Michael Porter Jr., when he was healthy, was also a terrific transition player as well. True, true. I can see him right now catching an outlet pass from Jokic and <laughs> rising up for a dunk in the fast break. I, I can see it right now. But, yeah, the um, you know, he's certainly a, a, a high-risk, high-reward sort of pick. Um, you know, he, he could end up, you know, not really even having an NBA career. Uh, which, again, given that Denver just gave up their, you know, next season's uh, first-round pick, if it ends up in the top 12, uh, which it, it very easily could, um, you know, you, you're talking about a team that, you know, traded the, the pick that became Donovan Mitchell last year, uh, potentially drafted a guy that might not have an NBA career this year, and then just traded away next year's pick. So for a team with a young core with Jokic, Harris, Murray, you know, and those guys... Uh, it, it it could be a disaster here that they're they're just not adding any young talent to this uh, this roster that was uh, you know was had a perfect building block to be really good for a long time. Uh, I'm really anticipating a, a Jamal Murray jump for for next season. Um, I mean, right now they have to rely on uh, some internal growth for their team. Right. Um, forward, uh, and I see Jamal. Murray taking the biggest step. So let's go now to uh, to some of our, our worst five. Of course, we already mentioned the, the Houston Rockets. Um, another team I'll mention here is uh, I've got the uh, the Philadelphia 76ers on here as a C-. Um, you know, I, I liked the Wilson Chandler move for them. Again, basically just taking him into their cap space. Uh, and acquiring a second-round pick. I think he's going to be a solid guy for their rotation. Um, you know, a lot of people really liked their draft day trade, giving up Mikhail Bridges for the 16th pick, which ended up being Zaire Smith, and an unprotected 2021 Miami first. I was never that excited about that deal. Um, you know, for one, because I feel like uh, Miami is always going to be a, a player in free agency, They've got some young talent on that roster. They've got a really good coach in Eric Spolstra. I can't imagine that uh, pick being like a top five pick in that sort of draft. And also the the recent news is that uh, the, the one and done, which supposedly was supposed to go away for that draft, which would have made that draft super valuable, but now they're talking that might not start until 2022 or later. Uh, so that hurts the value of that pick as well. And I thought Mikael Bridges was was literally a perfect fit uh, for that Philadelphia roster. Yeah, I think his mom works on the, the business side. <laughs> right. Sixers, so that's a... Uh, it would have been a great story. Yeah, that was uh, probably an emotional turn of events for, for that family. But um, I think in, Phil, in Philly's eyes, they, they saw Zaire and... Uh, Mikhail Bridges in the same tier and because of that I can see why you would take another an extra pick to, to stay in the same tier but have a different player um, so I, I understand that um, aspect of it I did really like Bridges fit with with Philly though I was I was really excited until you know I saw the trade <laughs> right um, and and yeah Zaire Smith is young enough and talented enough that you know perhaps he will develop and be better than Mikael Bridges, and if he is, that's a home run. Uh, but to me, the Bridges was the, the definitely the safer option of the two. Yeah, I think he was just a, a solid prospect. He, you know, you know exactly what you're getting when you draft him. Uh, the the other thing we might as well get into this now is the Nemanja Bialica situation. Uh, yeah. I thought he was going to be a perfect fit to replace Ersan Ilyasova, who they lost in Milwaukee, uh, but then he ended up reneging on his deal. And uh, and going to Sacramento, uh, and you know that that really hurt them. And then that seemed to uh, to um, facilitate a future move that they made recently in that Carmelo deal, where they gave up Timothy Luwalu Capro, or as you said, TLC, uh, and and Justin Anderson for Mike Muscala. 
And frankly, I don't like that swap either, given that uh, I'd rather have two young wings than a young big. And frankly, I don't think Muscala has that high of a ceiling. Yeah, the positional value, I think, was the biggest downgrade in that trade. Um, but if we're getting back to uh, the Wilson Chandler addition, um, another part of that is since he wasn't, since it was non aggregated, you know, he wasn't traded with another player. He is able to be retraded or traded again um, by Philly. So it's another, um, you know, another player that they can use for any salary matching uh, that they might want to use in a trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing to consider. Well, and, you know, I, I think given that uh, right now they've essentially, you know, they lost Bellinelli and Ilyasova. They replaced one of them, I think, with the likes of Chandler. Uh, but I still think there's another hole in terms of their bench unit. Uh, they, they're they relying uh, quite a bit now on Markel Foltz taking a leap in the second year and his shot, uh, you know, miraculously being fixed. Because if not, I think this bench is going to be an issue like it was at the start of last season. Yeah, we're talking about internal improvement for Denver. Philly is, uh, you know, putting all their eggs in the same basket for that. But not... Not by choice necessarily. I think I gave them a C for the offseason grade. I okay. think a big reason for that is the the disappointment. You know, they were going in, you know, big fish hunting. Uh, they are thinking, you know, LeBron or Paul George, um, they get Wilson Chandler. Not that he's a bad player, but um, he's not what you were expecting going into the offseason. Not what you were hoping for. Um, so now they're they're really relying on, on these young guys, especially, like even rookies. Like, they're... They're probably going to expect Zaire Smith to, to have to play some significant minutes at, at some point, I would assume. Um, but they're at this point, they're pretty much running it back. Well, and uh, we didn't mention yet, but I think a, a positive signing, of course, was retaining J.J. Redick. He was so crucial for them last year, so that's definitely a positive. And uh, they also they ended up uh, trading Rashawn Holmes to Phoenix, uh, and I believe in large part to make room so that they could sign there. Second round pick from last year, Jonah Bolden, to a four-year, $7 million contract. Mm-hmm. And they also uh, retained Amir Johnson. So, I mean, at the core, it's uh, essentially the same team coming back. So, I mean, there's uh, hoping for, for these young guys to, you know, build on what, what they were able to accomplish last year, which is still a lot. Um, but uh, when you see what, what, Bob, what Toronto just did... Um, what Boston is going to get back when they get Gordon Hayward and Kyrie healthy. I mean, those two teams taking big steps forward, I mean, you're not seeing that with Philly. Right, yeah, barring the Markel Fultz leap, that's the only way they're even in the same class as those top two in the East. Uh, so uh, let's let's hear one of your uh, worst five off-seasons. Uh, I want to bring up Chicago. Okay. Uh, I just gave them a straight D which is funny because they're not going to play a lot of defense next year. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, signing Parker and Levine, I think... I shouldn't have laughed at that joke, by the way. <laughs> uh, the Parker deal isn't as bad as it looks because the second year is a team option. Um, so I like that aspect of the deal, but still, they're not going to be able to slow anyone down. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. had a, had a pretty good summer league protecting the rim, but he's going to have... a his hands full with uh, the, the teammates that are surrounding him. I mean, when, when those are your, your two big signings, when you had a lot of cap space, I, I really wanted them to, you know, get some assets going forward with that cap space rather than, than uh, spending it on Parker and Levine. Right, yeah, I had them as a minus. I, I think I have them a little bit higher because I loved what I've seen from uh, from Wendell Carter Jr., but... But yes, the the Levine contract uh, is atrocious. Four years, eighty million, uh, and you know the I think the biggest problem, uh, and something that uh, Kobe Altman of the Cavs did such a good job of last year is once a team makes a trade, they almost feel like they've got to stick to it and say like for pride reasons or whatever. Uh, but Kobe Altman last year, when he found out that Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder that wasn't working, he he, you know, was willing to say, you know what, I made the mistake. I'm going to try to remedy this. 
Whereas the Bulls in that trade for Jimmy Butler, I think Chris Dunn and especially Larry Markkinen were the best aspects of that trade. But initially it was all about Zach Levine. That was kind of the the blockbuster piece of that deal for Chicago. And, uh, you know, after another season where he was, you know, recovering from the injury and didn't show much, uh, they chose to double down on their original decision, uh, which I think is a is a huge mistake because I, I don't necessarily think he's a guy that uh, contributes to winning basketball. I mean, he can he can shoot some threes. I don't know exactly where his athleticism is at post injury, um, but yeah, the defense is the the biggest concern when talking about him. You know, and pairing him with with Parker. I mean, you're gonna have the same situation that Denver has you're going to try to outscore people but you also have Chris Dunn as your point guard so I mean that might lead to some problems (laughs) yeah the uh the fit with a lot of these players doesn't make a lot of sense and that's my biggest thing with the the Parker signing again given that the second year is a team option I don't mind the signing or the signing on its own merit but in terms of the fit with the rest of the roster you know, I can't imagine a lineup with Lowry Markinen uh, at the five and Parker at the four is going to be able to stop anybody. Uh, and there's only so many minutes you can play Parker at the four with Wendell Carter. Uh, you know, and you got to imagine that all three of those guys are, are going to be wanting to play big minutes. And the team should uh, should want to see those guys play a lot of minutes as well. Yeah, and throw in Bobby Portis too, and, and you got a logjam at power forward. Yeah, those are, are three are three you know players that you want to see on the court, and it's hard to see any of those three really playing with each other. So they're all going to be fighting for minutes, and I, I really think Markkinen needs uh, time on the floor. I think he's going to be a, a good player. So, I mean, who are you committing to at this point? Right. Um... So I'll go with my next uh, worst five off seasons. I've got the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have them at, at a D plus um, in in large part due to the fact that they did not re-sign LeBron James. Um, so uh, you know, obviously that lowers their grade. Drafting, you know, Colin Sexton, I think was a was a solid draft pick. I liked him heading into the draft. I, I don't think he's got really superstar potential, but I think he could be a solid two-way starting point guard at some point uh, in the future. Uh, but then, you know, the, the big news which, uh, which came out very recently was the Kevin Love extension, uh, four years, $120 million, which uh, I can't imagine that's going to make him a more enticing trade target for other teams. Uh, you know, I can't imagine anyone's very excited about paying Kevin Love $30-plus million when he's around 34 years old. Um, but uh, it, it also begs to question, you know, Dan Gilbert and the organization's mindset heading into this season. Uh, you know, in my mind, they should be trying to rebuild after losing LeBron, and the best way to to do that is to try and trade Kevin Love, get maybe a, a first-round pick, and also keep their first-round pick that uh, they owe to Atlanta if it's uh, if it's outside the top ten. Yeah, I... My sentiments exactly. I, I wanted them. The thing is, I wanted them maybe to, you know, be all right this season. I think they can go for it just because when you have George Hill making nineteen million this year and you got J.R. Smith making nearly fifteen million this year, it's gonna be hard to, to shed any of that. So I, I think with uh, even though the East isn't as weak as as we you know are, are so used to. Um, I, I wanted them to, to try this year, uh, but then it, it would set them up pretty cleanly next offseason um, for a clean break. Because you got George Hill, which I think has one million, only $1 million of that $18 million guaranteed. So waiving him, and you got J.R. Smith, who's got, I think, around $4 million of that $15.6 million guaranteed. So both of those guys can get waived pretty easily without you know, it's such a big cap hit. Um, that opens up a lot of space for you. Yeah, and the, the, the situation with Rodney Hood is going to be interesting to see, you know, especially, again, it, it it begs the question, you know, if they're trying to compete now and he had such a, uh, you know, tumultuous uh, half season in Cleveland, whether they'd want it to, to re-sign him. But to me, if you're if you're trying to build towards the future, he's still relatively young. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I would want to keep around, but uh, 
they uh, they ha- the two sides have not come to an agreement as of yet. Yeah, and um, coming back to the, the Kevin Love extension, um, like you said, he he'll be around thirty four, making thirty million dollars, and I think part of the reason that he wasn't. I mean, part of the reason that he wasn't a trade asset is because Cleveland wasn't looking to trade him. Um, but if they are in the future, um, his contract at least guarantees the team who is trading for him a little bit of security. Um, that's true. Uh, so that's one element of it. I mean, still, it's $30 million at age 34, which is a tough proposition. Um, but if you, if you see a team like, let's say, Washington, you know, they're locked into John Wall for the foreseeable future and, and Beal and Porter. You can see them maybe saying, oh, oh we want to, to look for a player that's also locked in for that same duration of time. Right. Um, and, and yeah, you know, in terms of potentially trading him on this contract, it only takes one team, as, uh, yep. as the Detroit Pistons showed us last year in the Blake Griffin <laughs> trade. Why don't uh, Why don't we go with uh, We'll each We'll each uh, name one more team we're interested uh, in talking about. So you go first. Uh, pick a final team that you'd you'd like to discuss here. All right. Uh, another uh, bottom feeder for me for for this offseason was Milwaukee. Okay. Uh, I gave him a D. Um, I didn't agree with the uh, Ersan Ilyasova signing. I mean, especially for three years. The, I mean, the last year is non guaranteed, but but still, and then also signing Brooke Lopez for the biannual exception, hard capped them, which didn't allow them to even uh, match Jabari's uh, offer sheet from, from Chicago, which when you consider that the second year was a, a team option, um, I think that's something that they, they could have considered, but now they couldn't because of the, the hard cap. Yeah, I... Uh... I agree about the Ilyasova deal, yes, especially the years, but but also uh, in terms of the fit. I think uh, you know the the big complaint of the last couple of seasons about their defense is that they haven't been switching enough when they've got a roster that seems ripe to do so. Uh, and Ilyasova, you know, is a very smart team defender, but not exactly the greatest athlete in the world. Um, I actually like the Lopez deal, as you mentioned the. That, in conjunction with the Ilyasova contract, made it impossible for them to, to re-sign Jabari, which is a problem. But, you know, if you do that Lopez deal on its own, I certainly understand that, given, you know, how much the center position has been a problem for them uh, the last couple of years. Yeah, the, the Lo- Lopez signing in a vacuum, um, I'm okay with. Uh, but, I mean, it kind of limits their options. I don't know if they did that pers- purposefully. Uh, knowing that, oh, sorry, Jabari, we, we can't sign you because we just signed Brooke. Um, I mean, I still don't necessarily think Jabari was their saving grace and he was the, the best fit with uh, Giannis. Um, I don't agree with that at all, but he gives them, you know, at least something on offense for, for this next season, you know, some sort of upside that now they just let that upside walk out the door and they're not, you know, there's nothing coming in um, that can equate to that. Yeah, so uh, we'll do the final one and I'll pick a, a team that uh, just interests me in terms of what they've done this offseason, and that's the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Phoenix, uh, I gave them a B- minus for this offseason. Uh, and, you know, the draft was very interesting. Of course, with the number one pick, they took DeAndre Ayton which, uh, you know, I, I had Doncic as my number one prospect, but I had Aiton at number three, so I didn't think it was, you know, a terrible oversight for them to, to go with Aiton. Uh, but then also that trade we mentioned with Philly where they got Mikael Bridges, I think that's a, that should be a, a pretty solid uh, player for them. And, you know, the Trevor Ariza signing, as you mentioned when we were talking about the Rockets, it seems a little bit confusing uh, just in terms of they've already got a bunch of wings there now uh, with Bridges, with, uh, you know, Jackson from last year and Devin Booker. And T.J. Warren also. Right. Um, so, 
you know, that it's a little confusing in terms of the fit, but, uh, you know, maybe it's just a matter of for one year they kind of want a veteran in there that can teach these young guys some things. So, you know, you, you could do a lot worse than Trevor Reason. Obviously, he's still a solid player. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, this I imagine, uh, in terms of Phoenix moving forward, this offseason is, uh, is going to play a huge role in whether uh, this rebuild ends up working out for, for the Suns. Yeah, they definitely got a, a lot of young talent on their team right now. Um, DeAndre Ayton, I think, will be a very productive professional player. Um, I don't know how much he's going to be able to contribute to winning basketball. And people say, uh, what does that even mean? But um, I think I think he's, he's a better passer than, than some people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can learn a lot defensively from Tyson Chandler, or at least that's what Phoenix is probably hoping. Um, and then you got a little bit of a log jam, like you said, at the wing now. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention was people are saying, oh, what? who's their starting point guard? Uh, I'm of the opinion that, that Devin Booker should be their starting point guard, not because he's a point guard, but at the end of the day, you want the ball in his hands. It's like Donovan Mitchell, at the end of the day, you want the ball in his hands. It's kind of the, the same mold there. Right. Um, yeah, and, and that's where, you know, maybe they could have used their resources differently instead of going with Ariza. You know, I wouldn't have been, I thought it would have been a good move for them to go after a guy like Van Fleet. And if you offer him $15 million for a year, I think you probably get him. He's he signed for 18 with Toronto over two years. So, um, you know, and, and I think he would have been, uh, again, as you said, it's such a gaping hole at that position for that team. Yeah, I mean, uh, Elliot Cobo had uh, some flashes in Summer League. Um, he, he played in, in France, and France is a, has an athletic, pretty athletic league. So uh, I'm I'm hopeful for his, his uh, transition to the, to the NBA. But, I mean, in the West, it's still... It's still tough to see them moving up too many pegs. Yeah, I imagine they're still gonna they're still gonna struggle a bit this year. And and yes, if if it if it is true that as you said, DeAndre Ayton uh, does not contribute to winning, and they passed up on Doncic for him, uh, that will probably look bad in a few years. But uh, we'll we'll have we'll have to wait a few years to probably find out. Uh, but uh, Stuart, thank you uh, thank you so much uh, so much for coming on. It's my pleasure, Garrett. All right, this has been Duncan Dynasty. I am Garrett Bouguet. Have a great day. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.